0: Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you all are doing well. We're going to take uh, another step in this crazy story in Genesis of, uh, of the man we've come to know as Jacob. Um, I do want to say that I believe Jacob did a good job last week of representing Jacob, so that was great. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to jump into this, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about faithfulness and kind of highlight another piece that uh, Jacob brought up last week in more detail, which is uh, legacy. So we're going to talk about faithfulness and legacy, and this is all lessons from Jacob in his older years. And then next week, we're going to actually rewind for some specific details as Dwayne is going to uh, come and give a really important lesson on this encounter that Jacob has with God. So I think that that's really important. But as we're keeping with this, you know, this overview of the person of Jacob, uh, we're going to reflect on again the later years of Jacob, and we're going to talk about his journey. Although that journey is filled with triumphs and struggles and encounters with God, um, his journey does provide us with a um, a rich source for wisdom and inspiration for each one of us. It doesn't really matter, you know, if you're um, if you're dealing with what we call the later years of life or not, but I am going to be focusing on that specific angle today. It doesn't mean you get to rule it out if you're young, but it's really important because uh, as I I have more and more conversations with uh, my mom and dad, who, you know, uh, we all live on the same property now, and as I have more and more conversations with them, as I continue to hear Barney's stories, even if I don't want to hear them, he tells me them over and over, right? Um, as I continue to hear those stories, it's really important to know that, um, that this wrestle with usefulness and effectiveness as we get older is a real issue, right? right? I mean, most of us want to be useful at all points in our life, but the older we get, we're like, am I being effective? Have I been effective? Can I still be effective? So these are really important things, and I think Jacob gives us a good example that this is the case, that we can be effective, we can be useful, and I believe it's something that the church needs to recapture because for far too long, um, and this, this is a part Uh, Believe it or not, this is actually one of the the drawbacks of what we call the nuclear family. Um, Nuclear, nuclear, I don't know, whatever. But anyway, so uh, one of the drawbacks of this kind of mechanism, this setup, is that uh, we actually started to see a devaluing of those uh, in the older years, in their older years or in their later years. And the reason why is because we just think it's all about moving on and establishing the family and and going further and further. And so there's a lot to be said on that, but that's going to have to wait for another time. So so Jacob does serve as this rich resource for wisdom, for inspiration, especially as we navigate uh, our paths through later stages in life. So when we examine Jacob's faithfulness and the legacy left behind... There are many lessons for us. The first uh, lesson that we're going to examine, the first thing we're going to examine, is actually the blessings and challenges of getting older. Can I get an amen? (laughs) My mom almost spit when I said that, so that's good, right? You know, that is one one of the curses, right? You just you tend to not care, you're just spitting everywhere, it doesn't matter. Anyway, so so Jacob encounters this, this unique blend of blessings and challengings as he enters his later years. On the one hand, Jacob has witnessed the fulfillment of God's promises in amazing ways, right? Um, and all of us have, have done this as well, if we're paying attention, right? So, um, He has seen, uh, he has experienced God's faithfulness firsthand from visions to an encounter with God to the preservation and prosperity of his own family. Jacob saw the growth of his children, he saw his grandchildren, he witnessed the formation of the twelve tribes of Israel. Um, he really gets to be a, gets to a front row seat in seeing the blessings of a fruitful life, both spiritually and materially. So it's not like, you know, there's just some uh, buy and by thing. The challenge though for Jacob is what he encounters later in life, right? Um, later in his life, uh, he, is, he has to deal with some challenges. He faces the reality of aging. How many of you hate that? Yep, it sucks. My knees hurt for no apparent reason whatsoever. I didn't even realize that waking up was such a hard thing to do, but apparently it is, right? So, so he, he faces the reality of aging, including the physical limitations that come with that. But then there's the losing of loved ones. I've had uh, many conversations with Merle, and and over the years, it's it's been an interesting thing to to have Merle say, you know, this person has passed away, and this person has passed away, and and to 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 get older and to realize these other people are 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 gone from your life. And then you start to feel even more isolated and you start to feel more alone, right? And imagine Jacob feels this way in his life, right? So physical limitations, losing loved ones, uh, the need to confront past mistakes and wounds, right? We've got Jacob dealing with his brother Esau, but there's a lot of other things. I think the story of Joseph kind of brings a lot of stuff back up for Jacob. The pain of seeing his wife Rachel pass away. Uh, is, is extremely complicated. The, the, uh, the loss or uh, season of loss of his son, his beloved son jo- Joseph, was undoubtedly uh, complicated or uh, maybe uh, insurmountable in many ways in his emotions. These challenges, though, remind us that aging is a season of life and it encompasses joys, but guess what it comes with? Sorrow. Sorrow. It comes with sorrow. And what we have to do is see how Jacob lives his life to see how we might be able to respond to that. Um, in that time, though, it's a time to reflect on the faithfulness of God. So when life is getting hard, when things are uh, coming crashing down around you, or when loss is, seems more uh, present than gain inside of your life, this is the point where we have to return back and we have to think about the faithfulness of God. We have to think about all the good things he's done. This is probably one of the greatest reasons why uh, people start to journal in their life, because then they have a record of all the things that God has done, and they can go back and they can remind themselves, how many of you are like me and you forget a lot? Right, yeah. Well, journals help with that, right? And and I don't think you should just use social media as a journal. It can work. Don't get me wrong; I, I have no problem with that. But here, here's the dilemma with social media as the as the reminder. So Facebook and all these things they'll they'll give you a memory. The problem is we're also culturally conditioned to only post the really cool, awesome. I am a perfect human being on Facebook, right? And so you get this reminder constantly of the great day and the great day and the great day. And you know it's bull crap, <laughs> right? right? You know you made that crap up, right? And so, so that is your only journal. Sometimes it's good to read through a journal that goes, wow, I had a good day and I had six bad days. And then I had three good days and I had two bad days, right? And so it's really important to, to do that, right? So you have to reflect on the faithfulness of God uh, in the midst of all of these seasons of life that we experience, right? And then we see God's guidance and his strength to navigate those challenges, Uh, as we grow older. In the New Testament, and this is one of those moments where I want to share with you a principle. I am not trying to be contextually accurate here, right? But it's a principle, and we can prove the principle through other means in life. But in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul addresses the blessings and challenges of aging in this way, uh, in in principle in this way. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, talking about persecution, he reminds believers that although our outer self is wasting away he says that our inner self is being renewed day by day through the power of the holy spirit that's true in persecution and that's also true as you age right you get older the spirit of god didn't abandon you he's he's not like american culture right he's not like the modern culture he didn't go i don't have any use for old people Right? He does, that's not the way he works. He looks at it and says, I am going to build you up. I'm going to renew you. I'm going to strengthen you. And this should encourage us to focus on eternal perspective matters uh, and spiritual growth that can occur even while physical growth is not happening, or maybe it's even deteriorating at times. I love God's message to his people in Isaiah 46. Uh, this is what God says to um, to the house of Jacob. He says, even To your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am He who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. We should walk in the footsteps of the house of Jacob and the person of Jacob in embracing the fact that God is walking with us. He is Goddess in this time. And so we have to be thinking legacy in our lives. The older we get, we have to be thinking legacy because. The next generation needs to see faithful walking at all times. Amen? It's real easy to show people that you're faithful on Sunday morning. Right? You walk in, you put your cool stuff on, and every, I mean, that's as, this is as cool as I get, but anyway, you're right, so you, you put your cool stuff on, and everybody's like, hey, they got it all together. Well, we all know we don't have it all together, and then it's like, let's just go home, and let's watch Nathan walk around the yard, and see if he starts cussing at birds, or something, whatever, but the point is, you you want to see see people who show a good example, even as they grow older, right? So, I'm going to talk to my dad about this, because he's already just, he's got that, He's got that shuffle step, and he's just grumpy. No, he's not. (laughs) Anyway, right. So, anyway, Charles Spurgeon often emphasized the enduring faithfulness of God and the transformative power of His grace. And so, what you're going to see through all four points of today is I'm going to talk about Jacob's story. I'm going to give a New Testament reference, and then I'm going to I'm going to appeal to uh, a teacher or a preacher that I personally. Uh, enjoy, so Spurgeon believed that in the later years of life, believers have the opportunity to reflect on the faithfulness of God throughout their journey, just as Jacob witnessed the fulfillment of god 's promise. Charles Spurgeon encouraged his listeners to consider the way in which God had faithfully led and provided for them. So remember how this works that 's what he encouraged his listeners to do, and he urged them to meditate on those blessings that they had received and to offer um, heartfelt gratitude uh, to God in light of all the things that God has done, right? It's really complicated to be negative when you're being thankful, right? right? So there's actually, uh, I, I just listened to this and I, I hear a lot of things on social media and then I'm this inquisitive person that says, no, I need the study that proves this. But they actually have a study that shows in the firing of your brain that the, uh, the, the mechanism, the area of your brain that fires or lights up when you're feeling anxious cannot fire at the same time you're being thankful. Isn't that fascinating, right? So we're all like, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. Okay, just be thankful, turd, right? Like, like do something about it, okay? Instead, we just sit there and we're like, ah, you know, well... You gotta light that part of your brain up in a different way, right? And so it's all about gratitude. And so Charles Spurgeon encouraged his listeners to do them and uh, to do this. And you do this by meditating, and you meditate by remembering, and remembering sometimes comes through journaling. So in doing so, Spurgeon believed that believers would be strengthened in their faith and that they would find comfort in the knowledge of God's faithfulness uh, as they saw it extend past. Uh, past, you know, the present. It, 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 it passes through time. God is always being faithful. Spurgeon also emphasized the importance of trusting in God's sustaining power as we face uh, those challenges of aging. He saw the physical limitations and losses that came with old age. He had physical issues himself, right? Uh, as opportunities to deepen his dependence on God. Now, there is a mindset shift. Okay? When when the crap hits the fan, I'm on it today, I'm saying all these dumb things that you guys don't like, but anyway, so when, when the stuff hits the fan, right, um, it's, a, it's a mindset change to say, Lord, what are you teaching me, how can I trust you more? I do not do this. I struggle with this deeply. When the crap hits the fan, I'm like, you yeah. right? You know, I'm the old man shuffling in the yard, right? So, so I, I'm grumpy about it. But the, the point is that we have to look at these opportunities and we say, wow, this is an opportunity to deepen my trust and my dependence on God. That's what we should be doing. And that's what Charles Spurgeon advocated for. Just as Jacob leaned on God's strength and guidance, Spurgeon, Spurgeon encouraged his listeners to turn to God for comfort, for strength, for renewal, right? Because why? Because God is renewing you through his Holy Spirit. He understood that principle. He reminded all of his listeners that God's sustaining grace is not diminished with age, but is ever-present and available to carry us through challenges. How many of you have ever said this? You've heard this. You're going through something, and you go, ah, God's got bigger issues to deal with. How many of you have ever said that, or you've heard somebody say that? Yeah. This gets worse with age, because you go, you believe the culture and you go, I'm nothing. I've lived my life. God has more important people to deal with or worry about. No, sir, no ma'am, right? He wants you to be these elders and to be these, to be these kind of uh, uh, beacons for another generation. And so you really need to see that your issues and your fears and your concerns, they're all valuable to God. They're all important to God. He actually wants to hear them. He wants to do something about them, okay? So, that's our first piece. The second thing that we need to observe is a legacy of faith and blessing. And so these kind of uh, just piggyback off of each other. One of the most profound aspects of J- Jacob's later years is actually the legacy of faith and blessing that he imparts into his children and into, his, into future generations. And this Quite literally, is a spiritual blessing that's done through physical means, uh, but it's, it's very important. As Jacob gathers his sons before his death to bless them, he speaks a prophetic word over each one of them. And in these blessings, he actually reveals their future and what the tribes are going to look like. He provides a glimpse into the unfolding plan of God's redemptive work. Now, some of the things he says aren't fun, right? He's like... You know, he, he lets them know the truth about who they are and what they'll be, but you have to realize that this is his job as a father and as a patriarch, and it's the job of moms and dads, it's the job of parents to do this. Um, and so we all have somebody that we can influence, especially if we have kids and grandkids. Um, Jacob's blessings reflect the importance of passing down faith, values, and a sense of purpose to the next generation. How many of you didn't do as well as you wanted to do in passing down uh, faith and uh, truth to your kids? Raise your hands. Yeah. Well, guess what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't correct that by doing nothing now. Right? How is that actually helpful? What you ought to do is go, okay, I admit it. I made mistakes. I didn't do all that I wanted to do. But guess what? I've got today. And I can start today. That does not mean, guys, that if you have kids or if you have grandkids, that you sit them down in, their, in the living room and you go into some Billy Graham sermon at their heads like they're going to hell tomorrow. What, what I suggest you do is look like a Christian, act like a Christian, and then talk to them like one who really believes what you say. Because you believe what you say, right? I hope so. Okay. Very good. Okay. So, um... Jacob understood the weight of his words. He understood the impact that they had on the lives of his children and on their descendants. He knew this because it was culturally true. It is culturally not true now. Uh, Dad says something and everybody's like, yeah, 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 it's just dad rambling on. No, that's not the way we look at life. What we ought to do is say, sorry, I didn't hear what you said. What was that? And listen to what they have to say. We should show respect that way. Number one way of showing respect, number one way Nathan fails at this is listening, right? Just listen. Sorry. Through Jacob's um, prophetic blessings, he instills a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a sense of hope in his family, and he shapes their trajectory. I would not be... Anywhere close to the human being that I am, if I didn't have a mom and dad who actually spoke into my life, I wouldn't be. It wasn't the church that set me on the trajectory. They only had me, as I've told you guys many times, they only had me for an hour or two a week. My mom and dad were forced to deal with me every day, right, (laughs) right? And so, but I would not be the person that I am had they not said, this is who you are, this is who God sees you to be. And then I walked in that, right? I was taught what it meant to be a person who pursued wisdom, and I've done it every day of my life. It is what I want more than anything. I was taught what it meant to to, uh, idealize the idea of being, the the concept of being a man after God's heart. And I strive for that. Do I fall short? I'm human. Yes, I fall short constantly. But it doesn't mean that that's not my aim, right? But I have that aim because my parents instilled it, and you have the opportunity to instill that into others. Through um, Jacob's prophetic blessing, he actually instills identity And purpose, right? And uh, I think identity is a big heart cry of the culture today, but purpose can be divorced from that. But people want to know who they are and what they're supposed to do. And sometimes those overlap, but they want to know who they are and what they're supposed to do. So Jacob's legacy challenges us to consider the legacy that we're leaving behind and allowing uh, our faith to guide us into promoting that faith. N.T. Wright, uh, so first it was Charles Spurgeon, now N.T. Wright, he's a New Testament scholar. He emphasized the importance of faith. Uh, uh basically what he would call a faith transmission in the context of Jacob's blessings to his children. He underscores, write, underscores that Jacob's prophetic words were not merely empty rituals, but profound expressions of God's redemptive plan unfolding through the generations. Now, that sounds like gobbledygook to some, but let me put it in just some basic terms. Uh, Jacob believed that what he said was what God was doing. Many times the reason why we don't speak into our children's lives is because we actually don't think we're being used by God. We think we're just the old fuddy-duddy rambling on. That's not true. Your children, I can assure you of this, your children are waiting for this water that pours forth from your fountain, right? They want to hear what you say okay? They have been conditioned to think, man, you also seemingly have been conditioned to go, they don't care what I have to say. They do. They need what you have to say, right? So Jacob's prophetic words were not merely empty rituals. They were profound expressions of God's plan. Think about that when you're talking to your children about your faith. You are proclaiming God's plan. In a similar vein, Wright highlights how the New Testament particularly in the Apostle Paul's letters, emphasizes the continuity of faith across generations. Paul's exhortation to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, it's fascinating. Uh, Paul is, is talking about um, Timothy's upbringing, right? He says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Why is he sure of this? Because he saw the faith in them before. He, Timothy was a product of something. Everybody here is a product of something, and everybody's kids and grandkids are a product of something as well. So Wright emphasizes that this passage highlights the vital role of intergenerational faith, um, and this was true in the early Christian community, and it's true now. Just as Jacob's blessing shaped the identity and the destiny of his, de- uh, his descendants, Lois and Eunice's faith shaped Timothy. Yeah, Paul was a spiritual father. That's a really beautiful concept, and we get hung up on that. But we often fail to realize it was grandma and mom who pushed this uh, and got him where he was. Drawing from these parallels as believers, we need to recognize the profound impact that our faith has on the future generation. We should take seriously the responsibility of passing down faith and values um, and, and seek opportunities to influence our children and grandchildren. Step number three, lessons in forgiveness and reconciliation. Think about this as you get older. This is really challenging. In Jacob's later years, he's faced with the need for forgiveness and reconciliation. How many of you have a very, very messy ledger in life? And you go, i got a lot of people to forgive, or I've got a lot of forgiveness to seek. How many are like that? Why wait? Why wait? Why delay this in any way? Okay? I'm not suggesting this is easy. I know full well that it's not but it is worth you pursuing forgiveness and you pursuing reconciliation because that changes everything. So with Jacob, the wounds of the past resurfaced, particularly his deception uh, towards a strained relationship with his brother. And through God's leading and Jacob's humility, eventually, um, he was able to embark on that journey of reconciliation. And then he Experiences, as Jacob Dolezal shared last week, a profound restoration in that relationship. Something that actually shocked him. And I think sometimes we would be surprised at how quickly people are willing to forgive or be reconciled with us. I think we'd be surprised at that. Jacob's journey, though, teaches us uh, a different power, a transformative power of forgiveness and the importance of that reconciliation, um, even though time has passed Like I said before, you've spent all these years and you say, I wish I would have taught my kids better up to this point. The answer to that is not do nothing now. And the same thing happens with if you've lived years not reconciled to somebody, the answer to that is not now stay unreconciled. That doesn't make any sense. The point is make a change. Make progress. We need to do this. And sometimes this is really true among husbands and wives. Sometimes this is really true among parents and children. Uh, You may have other relationships that are chaos, and we all probably do, but, but think about those people that are always going to be there for you and with you. Reconcile with them. Make sure things are good in those relationships. Uh, Jacob's willingness to reconcile with his brother heals their relationship. We know God's at work here, but it sets the stage for unity and the preservation of a family legacy. Jacob's story definitely challenges us to pursue these things. Uh, so obviously, the theme of uh, forgiveness and reconciliation is clear in the, in the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament. In the Lord's Prayer in Matthew six twelve, Jesus instructs his di- uh, disciples to pray, forgive our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you notice that? Lord, forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Many times we're walking into church and we're like, I ain't forgiven squat, right? But your, your prayer, if you're gonna pray this way, is a thing of the past. We have forgiven our debtors. How many of you have unforgiveness? Unforgiveness. Am I, am I this loser here? Okay, I do. I struggle with it. Yes, somebody said, yes, I'm this loser. Thanks, Mark. Love ya, love ya. Anyway, fine, I'm a loser, but I do struggle with that. There are things that have hurt me in the past and things that I struggle to, to get over. And all it does, quite honestly, is it just keeps messing with me, right? Because many of those people that hurt me, they're gone. They don't care. That, that's not even a shot at them. They just don't care. And I'm sitting here going, <laughs> you know, the grumpy old man walking around the yard, right? This is true. This is why I get on the lawnmower. I just get to complain a lot. Anyway, so, so Jacob, uh, Jesus emphasizes the importance of extending forgiveness to others just as we have received forgiveness from God. Um, this is hard for us to wrap our minds around, but God has forgiven us, church, he has forgiven us. And then we're walking around going, I won't give them forgiveness until they toe the line. It's probably not the best way to do it, right? So, when exploring the lessons of forgiveness and reconciliation uh, through later years of life, I, my mind goes straight to C.S. Lewis. Um, he seems to be the go to guy when it comes to this. And so, Lewis is known for profound insights into the human condition and the Christian faith. Uh, He offers valuable perspectives on forgiveness and reconciliation, and he emphasizes a radical nature of forgiveness, highlighting that it involves surrendering our right to seek revenge or hold on to resentment. How many of you know that most of us are actually not seeking justice? We're seeking revenge. Right? If you were just seeking justice, you'd be like, okay, wrong done, it's been repaid. Most of us are like, wrong done, and I can't wait to see you suffer. Right? I remember listening to this sermon one time, uh, Michael Ramsden. Michael Ramsden, fas- fascinating guy. And uh, he preached he this message, and he says, have you ever watched a, a, a James Bond movie? He said, in a James Bond movie, what happens to the villain at the end? He's like, it's not just the James Bond kills the villain and the hero wins. No, 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 no. That's too easy, right? The the villain has to fall off like a uh, Empire State Building cliff, right, or or something, right? He hits the ground. Is that enough? Not on your life right? All of a sudden something else has to fall and like impale him down, right? Something like this. Like we are not good with simple justice. What we want is for people to suffer. And I'll tell you, if that's your heart, forgiveness is nowhere in your vocabulary. It's just not in your vocabulary. What you really want is just to see people suffer because boy, oh boy, you suffered. It's not healthy and it's surely not helpful, okay? So, Lewis talks about this idea and says, you have to surrender. What is your surrendering? The right to seek revenge, the right to hold on to resentment. I'm not going to let them live this down because they've always punished me and they've always hurt me and you don't know what I've been through. You got to surrender that right. I don't want to surrender it either, guys, but we've got to surrender that right. Lewis recognized that forgiveness is a challenging endeavor. He re- it requires humility. It requires grace. He believed that true forgiveness actually liberates both the one offering forgiveness and the forgiven. It does in, in certain instances. I was at a wedding several years back, and I was not planning on uh, encountering somebody uh, from my past at this wedding, and it was somebody that, it was just a bad situation anyway, somebody that had hurt me, and I walked in and I was like, what are they doing here, right? And I was like, I was just upset about this situation, and I went out to my car and I prayed through it, and I was grumbling to myself, and as clear as day, as clear as day, I heard God say, go tell them you love them, and I said, screw you, <laughs> right? Right? Because what I think of God's plan there is that God doesn't know what he's talking about, right? And so I struggled, and I struggled, and I struggled, and I was like, fine, 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 you know. And I walk in with gritted teeth and very large amounts of frustration looking at objects that I might use for revenge, right? You know, and I'm walking in, and I, <clears throat> I walk up to this person. I didn't even wait. I just walked up to the person, and I said, hey, I just want you to know that I love you. And then I went and sat down, and guess what happened for the rest of the night? I felt like a million bucks. I think they were pissed, but <laughs> but God tells us that this is like heaping burning coals on people's heads. So that wasn't my motivation, Jerry Clust. It wasn't my motivation, but I sure as heck took the opportunity anyway. So it was it was absolutely amazing. So so there is a forgiveness. There is a freedom, rather. Uh, In the one doing the forgiving, so it's just a hard lesson. Through the story of Jacob and Esau, we witness this profound impact of forgiveness and reconciliation, and Jacob, who had deceived his brother and caused great pain in the past, humbly seeks forgiveness Um, And embraces the opportunity for reconciliation and the encounter between them is powerful, right? And it shows grace and it shows triumph over bitterness and healing and all of these other things. And we're we're funny in our culture because we love to say things like, I want healing. I want to be recovered. I want to be restored. Okay, there's steps to it. And the steps to it are, let's start with forgiveness. And people are like, I don't want it that much, right? Well, if you want healing, you have to go to the wound. And you have to start fixing that, right? That's just a part of it. So, in line with Lewis's teaching, the New Testament also e- echoes the transformative power of forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus is teaching. Uh, his teachings emphasize the importance of forgiveness as a central aspect of discipleship. In the parable of the unforgiving servant, Jesus highlights the immense debt of forgiveness that God has extended to us and urges us to extend that same forgiveness to others, right? So we can can be forgiven much, and if that's true, then we are to forgive much. But I think a lot of times we forget how much we've been forgiven. We think, I'm a good person, that's another problem with that teaching in the world today. Hey, we're all just generally good people. No, you aren't. You're scumbag. <laughs> but Jesus loves you, so that's really important, right? And that's what makes life possible because he loves you. So, so when it comes to forgiveness, you know, we have, we have to extend the forgiveness that we have already been given. C.S. Lewis would remind us that forgiveness and reconciliation are not sentimental gestures or at least not merely sentimental gestures. And I use the word mere because it just fits C.S. Lewis. But deeply profound acts of surrender are what forgiveness uh, really entail. And through forgiveness, we actually release the burden of resentment and we, we change. So Jacob's journey, uh, if we're going to emulate that journey, we're going to seek forgiveness, we're going to pursue reconciliation, we're going to participate in some redemptive work of God's kingdom. So I, I've been talking this whole time about what it looks like as we get older, and here's, here's a, a really important kind of uh, tie together, and that is if you want to be effective to the next generation, you can't be encumbered by bitterness. You can't be uh, Uh, tied down by all of these negative things that have happened to you in your life. Now, there are mistakes that we've all made, and we've got to work through those mistakes, but my point is, I'm trying to say that as Jacob lives out his older years, he's still effective. We can still be effective no matter how old we get, but we can't be effective if we're constantly weighed down by bitterness. We can't do it. It's not helpful in any way. So throughout his older years, Jacob experiences the unwavering faithfulness of God, which leads us to our fourth and final point, which is embracing God's faithfulness. From his early encounters with God at Bethel to the fulfillment of God's promise in his life, Jacob's story testifies of the steadfast nature of God's character. And so in that, uh, we need to keep our minds on God's Uh, Never changing character. In the face of those challenges, uh, the challenges of aging, Jacob's story assures us that God is going to be the same. He doesn't change because you got older. He doesn't write you off. Just as God remained faithful to Jacob, he's going to remain faithful to each one of us. Uh, Jacob's journey encourages us to embrace God's faithfulness in every season of life. So when your kids leave the house, fly the coop, and do their thing, is that, is that hard at times? Is that hard? Yeah. I mean, some of the dads are looking like, couldn't have happened quicker, right? And then some of the moms are like, this sucks. It's really hard. Okay, so, so it's true that, that, that these things can be hard. The issue what, that I think you need to remember is that even when your kids fly the coop, even when other people come and go in your life, God is still faithful. Amen. He didn't change. He doesn't go, hey, there's no household here anymore because the kids are gone. I'll go to those young families that are raising children. He's omnipresent. He's not got a problem where he's at, okay? And he wants to invest in your life. So, so as things change in your life, remember those seasons change. God is still faithful. He's still with you. He still loves you just as much as he loved you the day you were thought up in his mind, right? And so as we encounter physical limitations, as we encounter grief, as we encounter just changes in life, God remains the same. His faithfulness does Faithfulness does not waver with the passage of time. Uh, The New Testament is... Replete with examples of God's faithfulness. Demonstrated through life, through death, through resurrection. Uh, we, we just see God everywhere. Hebrews 13.8 affirms that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Emphasizing, emphasizing, I don't know. I went country there anyway. So emphasizing uh, that God is not stopping in his faithfulness. And we've got to remember that. So the person that I chose in this one is actually um, G.K. Chesterton, who I am fascinating and fascinatingly in love with he's an amazing mind or was an amazing mind but he had a very poetic and imaginative writing style and he represents uh, he presents a unique perspective on faith and God's faithfulness he believed that God's faithfulness is not limited by time or circumstances and that's a really large concept that takes like a lot to understand but Chesterton saw God's constancy as an inherent aspect of his nature so so God is constant God is faithful that's not something he chooses to do or be he is faithful so so think about why this is important he doesn't go nah i don't want to be faithful today he can't not be faithful It's part of who he is. And so Chesterton's view was always fascinating to me because it changed how I saw God's um, care for me when I turned into a wicked turd, right? Like when I went wrong and ran off and did all kinds of things, God's going, still here, still here, still here. Most of us aren't taught that, though. The kind of church teaching is once you make God mad, he's as fickle as you are. And so you make God mad, and then God's going, pfft. When you get it right, I'll talk to you again. Many of us are taught that, guys. That's not God. It's just not God. He is literally the father of the prodigal son on that porch, keeping a watch out for you to return every moment of every day. He can't be other. And that, to me, is just an amazing picture. And it was Chesterton who who kind of woke that up in me. In alignment with Chesterton's teachings, the New Testament reinforces the theme of God's faithfulness. Life, death, resurrection, right? All of that is is the fact that God is going to be faithful. Nothing can stop this God, right? The declaration in Hebrews 13, 8 mentioned before that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever underscores his constancy, right? So he's not going to change. And this echoes Chesterton's belief that it transcends time. Chesterton would remind us uh, that embracing God's faithfulness is not, though, a passive uh, uh, acceptance. It's an active choice of trust. How many of you have had those moments where you go, God, do you even care about me? Right? What do you have to do in those moments? There have to be active moments of trust that say, even though I feel that maybe you're not going to be faithful to me, even though I feel you're not listening to me, even though I feel everything is mounted against me, the choice I'm making is your word says you are not against me, you are for me, you are with me, you've never forsaken me. That takes active trust, guys. And there's many times where we, where we go wavering, right? But we need to come back to the way God is, which is unwavering in our trust, unwavering in faithfulness. So to wrap it all up, as we reflect on the later years of Jacob's life, we are reminded of the blessings and challenges of aging and the significance of leaving a legacy a faith uh, and blessings to our children and grandchildren, to our friends, to those that we love the power that transforms, the, that power of forgiveness and reconciliation uh, need to be, uh, they need to be what we're made of. They need to be who, what people see inside of us. They need to see the unwavering faithfulness of God inside of us. If we are going to be reflective of God's glory, if it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, if that's the case and he is always faithful, people should see faithful, Okay? That's who they should see. Uh, we can embrace the blessings of aging. We can cherish the faithfulness of God and reflect on the journey that, has been, that he has brought us through so far. Um, but let's pass down our faith and value and our trust in God in the relationships that we have. Amen? We should pour this out to future generations. We should leave this for other people. Now, drawing on New Testament parallels to To the points discussed, though, in relation to Jacob's later years, it allows us to see timeless truths and principles that span both Testaments. And so the reason why I wanted the sermon to work this way is to say, here's Jacob's story, here's a New Testament point, and hey, by the way, I want to talk about a a, a teacher or a person that I respect, is because all three moments show you that God has been faithful in all those times, right? He was faithful in the Old Testament, He's faithful in the New Testament, and he's faithful all the way up to people like C.S. Lewis's day. He, he doesn't change, and so uh, we need to remember this, and we need to draw from the New Testament for, uh, to, to give ourselves peace in this. So as we navigate later years in life, I hope that we can be anchored in uh, both Testament, that we can find strength, wisdom, and inspiration because God's Word is true. God's Word is eternal. God's Word is not changing. Um... The lessons from Jacob are many, and we're going to learn another one next week. But I want to encourage you, uh, when you open your Bible, look at it and see what God says about you all the days of your life. He says that he loves you. He says that he's going to keep you. He says that he won't forsake you. And he also tells you that you are still useful to him. You will never uh, get out of that job, right? You have a purpose, amen?